On my way here, I realised that I have no idea what your name was, <laughs> what you look like, yeah. whether you're a man or a woman. I stand outside the pub <laughs> waiting for you, looking at every kind of man that walked past me. I was kind of staring him in the eye, thinking, is that him? And then uh, I think most of them thought I was going to sell them drugs or something, so I'm just going to stare, <laughs> stare at them down this alleyway. So you're looking at a bunch of strangers going, is that the kind of urbane handsomeness that you would associate with old firm facts? Right, okay. I'm at least you've got a very cunning old firm mind. Um, <laughs> but I think I think kind of half the half the allure for me is that obviously there's this kind of secret identity behind it. Maybe that's kind of the, maybe that. Do you think that's maybe the allure of old firm facts that? You know, nobody knows who you are. Nobody knows if you're a Celtic Rangers fan, Partick Thistle, or whatever. Um, and you can you just kind of approach it from a blank slate. I, I think that's maybe part of it. I mean, if if the jokes were crap, if people didn't like it, you know, that wouldn't you know that wouldn't save it. You know, people wouldn't go, well, the jokes are crap, but we don't know who he is, so that's a good reason for to keep reading his columns or reading his tweets or whatever. But I definitely think it would lose something if my identity was out there aside even even leaving out that aspect of it there's the fact that uh, there's people out there who put, who do this kind of thing and put their identity out there and again get calls to their work yeah. trying to get them sacked and all sorts of things so 99% of people on Twitter are pretty sound but you do get the odd bam pot and you think that's not really someone I want knowing my surname or knowing my family or my partner's name or anything like that but yeah in terms of the allure of it I think if people knew what team I supported, um, for a start, they'd probably rip up my Fur Hill season ticket. But they, um, if, they knew, if they knew who I supported, they'd, they wouldn't be able to look at my tweets and think that's a neutral. And of course, I support someone. I have to support someone. But the people... I should know here you're drinking an IPA right now, which, get much <laughs> which might give it away. <laughs> um, but I, if, if people knew... Who are supported? They come at it. From, they think I'm coming at it from a certain angle. And there's friends of mine who know, obviously, that it's me, and they know who I support. And they don't think I'm biased with it. They know that I'll take the piss out of whatever team. The, the only real philosophy of it is, um, whatever team is doing badly, take the piss out of them. Yeah. So inevitably, someone will follow me if I make a joke at the expense of Rangers, and they'll go, "This guy's brilliant." And then I make a joke about Celtic, you go, <laughs> you know, and it works the same way for whatever team. People just assume there's an agenda, but there's no agenda. Yeah. That's what the MSM pay me to say. <laughs> well, they are here, of course, you know. Watch it. Um, I've got have us handcuffed to this table. Um, okay, well, tell you what, when the old from facts movie gets made, huh. and have you seen the social network? Yeah. So, you know, that scene where they're in the dorm room and they start joining <laughs> the window. Yes. Do you have a moment like that where you're like, oh, I'm, I, this is actually quite a good idea? Um, it wasn't, that didn't happen at the start of it. It was, the, the start of it was literally a friend of mine who was obsessed with Twitter. And this is going back to kind of early 2012. And I didn't really understand the point of Twitter. I didn't have an account or anything. And he kept saying to me that he thought I'd be good for it and he thought I'd enjoy it. And so kind of reluctantly I set up a personal account and then I kind of had these jokes would come to me about football and I thought maybe I could just do this under a fake or a, a, a pseudonym, yeah, an anonymous account and see if he got it. And then the way that Twitter works, obviously people like stuff, they share it and then 
more and more people started sharing it. But it took a while to kind of grow. My first few months of tweets are just utter shite. But after after that, um, I sort of got a rhythm for it. And now it's hard to switch off. I find it hard to, not hard to enjoy football, but I find it hard to kind of uh, divorce that side of me from actively actively like enjoying football and celebrating goals or whatever. But I think the I think the kind of the the first inspiration for it for just, even just the template of the jokes was years ago. I used to get the used to get the subway to work, not to Ibrox. Um and <laughs> and uh, there was a guy. I don't know if it's still in the metro. I've not read the metro for a while. But there, there was a a bit in the showbiz section. It was a guy called Neil Sean. And it was uh, Neil Sean's bite-sized showbiz crap or whatever, and he'd say um, it'd be a story about like Cheryl, uh, uh, Cheryl Cole or Cheryl Tweedy, and it would say something like Cheryl Tweedy, uh, Cheryl Tweedy says she's on the verge of leaving Girls Aloud. I'm on the verge of leaving Girls Aloud. Reveals the Girls Aloud songstress, <laughs> and that was basically the template. But you would take Girls Aloud and Cheryl Tweedy and replace it with Kyle Lafferty and Rangers or whatever. And that was that was basically the template for the first few months until I started. Getting so Girls Aloud is the inspiration behind Old Firm. It's the inspiration between most uh, behind most things in my life, really. <laughs> so I mean, it sounds like you're almost like a. I mean, the way, the way you approach it sounds a lot like how like a stand-up comedian would approach a routine, where you're literally making up jokes, and then not the way not the way somebody would maybe think something's funny and stick on Twitter, but you're literally writing jokes. Yeah, and then uh, put them directly on Twitter. Yeah, well, the the thing about Twitter is it's is quite. I don't want to say competitive because I don't feel like I've got competitors. I don't feel like there's anyone competing against me, and I don't feel like there's anyone I'm competing against. Well, you're not but, as funny as Agent Scotland. Well, this is true. This is this has always been the barometer for me. But <laughs> um, but when something happens, everyone now jumps on with a joke, whether they're someone who would class themselves as a comedian or a comedy account or just anyone. Everyone tries to make a joke. So even in the last couple of days with the Stephen Gerrard thing you've probably seen the exact same joke about how if there's one man who can stop Brendan Rodgers winning a title is Steven Gerrard and a picture of him slipping against Chelsea. Everyone tends to come up with the same thing. So, when, for instance, when something, if I'm out for dinner or if I'm at some kind of function or something where I can't be checking my phone and something big happens, then by the time I get to Twitter, everyone's made the best jokes. So you're just, it's, you're trying to think of the funniest thing but also be really... Uh, quick with it, so it, it can get frustrating. Like um, our work made us all attend a fire safety course, which is obviously a, a valuable use of time. But this was the day when that morning there were rumours that it'd be Kashina's last day at Ibrox, and I was thinking this better not get announced between one and three. It sounds like <laughs> you ever watched uh, the thick of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That scene where the conservatives are all up in the they're sent away somewhere. And oh yeah, and they can't get signal and they're on the slide. Yeah, you heard about one. Yeah, that's pretty much it. Um, except the up the, the upshot is now if if there's a fire at my work, then everyone's fucked because I, I, I wasn't paying attention. Um, They'll turn to you and you say Pedro Cachinha. Yeah. Well, that was I, I, I actually at one point. Uh, I actually I actually at one point was on the verge of like, can I? Really, can I make up a toilet break here or whatever? And I just had to wait until the end of the thing. And as soon as it finished, I'm on my phone and I'm like, okay, right, upside down picture of Marty because he's the replacement. Uh, where's that picture of Kashina with the upside down phone? All that kind of stuff. Everyone else is just 
looking to get back to the work. I'm like, no, this is the priority, you know. Yeah, you're furiously tweeting away in the cubicle. Not euthanism. This, no, that this genuinely happens on a daily basis. Right. So, so obviously, it sounds like you know this kind of this this thing has now consumed you, <laughs> almost like Batman or something, where you know the job the the, the job the night job yeah. has overtaken your day. It's like, it's like Batman, but with more dire consequences. <laughs> It's more troubling if they find out you're sick. Exactly. Um, but let's let's kind of go back to the start then. So like, so when, so you've set all this up. Your mates say you're a funny guy. You get on Twitter. You set up this account. You start looking up ways to do the jokes. You have a you have a template. When does it then start to pick up traction? Um, it took a, it did take a few months, and a, a lot of that was just. You know, I look back in the first few jokes, and it's it's convoluted and it's uh, kind of cringe with some of that. I think as Charles Green came in. It was like over time you'd start, you realise that although these are real life people, they feel like characters for you. And Craig White was, you know, the, the account started not long after Rangers went into administration, and then it began to pick up steam as Charles Green arrived on the scene. And as is still the case to this day with it, the material's there for you already. It's just kind of shaping it into 140 or 280 characters. So Charles Green was definitely, I think, the catalyst for it. And there was a point because uh, because Charles Green and Rangers were putting out a story almost on a daily basis where people did seem to think it was a Celtic account. Yeah. And I've always been at pains to say it's not that. You know, It's just whoever's doing badly. So with Celtic, the jokes will tend to be you know, about uh, something cheesy that they've done or European performances Christmas videos and and that kind of thing. Um, It's hard to make jokes about someone being successful. The the humour is at the expense of people doing badly. And uh, But yeah, with with the Charles Green thing, I think that's when it picked up momentum. Do you notice a difference between the two groups of fans and the way they react to your jokes? Yeah. The Celtic fans will dig up more. Celtic fans oh, will try. Oh, I've had that before. Yeah, the Celtic fans. They're quite good researchers, aren't they? Yeah, well, that's 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 the thing. They are. They can be impressive in that respect. That with, with with the Celtic fans, it's work. There's some that will try and find a way to work me into their uh, MSM conspiracy. You know, the, the 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 Glasgow Live thing being a recent example. I was on holiday a couple of months ago in Spain and I made the mistake of checking my phone before I went to bed and this guy had launched into this whole diatribe trying to block, trying to get self, get the hashtag Celtic family to, to block me because of my relations to the Daily Record. The phrase that he used was that I gathered info for the record and I, uh, clearly something's getting lost in translation if, I, if I've been gathering info for them because they're not printing it. But um, <laughs> for, for Celtic fans... That it, it it tends to be that kind of thing. It's more long-winded. It's 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 more. Uh, I'm part of the MSM out to get them. With Rangers fans, it's more short, sharp. You're a wank. Move on, sort of thing. Straight to the point. Yeah. So, I, you know, I should say, 99% of Celtic and Rangers fans that I deal with on Twitter are absolutely sound, and you get some really great interactions with people. People say like constantly every day. I'm getting sent loads of jokes. And also loads of feedback and people send private messages and stuff like that. And honestly, there's just a brilliant community of people out there and they're just really, really sound by and large. But whereas in the past, the Bampots were just kind of shouting into thin air, now they've got a platform and 
So yeah, with, with the Celtic fans, it's more of a kind of uh, the the worst ones. This is the minority. It's a paranoia, and I'm supposedly part of some conspiracy about the Rangers fans. It's just that I'm a prick. And there's probably an element of truth to it. But <laughs> I find that really interesting because it almost kind of mirrors exactly how I think, the, like the kind of abuse I would get, or probably any journalist actually in Scottish football would, in the sense that uh, with Celtic fans, it's almost like a unionised, you, you know, um, allied allied front against you, and then it's like a tsunami of maybe five or six Twitter. Let's call them influencers. Um, sure, we all know who I'm talking about. Um, and with the Rangers, it's very yeah, you're right. It's very much just kind of individuals having a go at you, and but it can both can be just as ferocious as each other. But I mean, I don't want to labour the point because you're right. You know, they are minority. But have you noticed any difference? Have you noticed like a change in the way they behave um, since you started, or is it all just has it always been the same? I th- I think the abuse has has got better over time and I think well they're better at giving abuse no no <laughs> they're, they're almost professional <laughs> I think there's a I think they've uh, I think I get less of it now I still get plenty I mean guaranteed almost any day there'll be something that my mum wouldn't want to read about me that it's in my notifications and uh, and my partner she's just like you don't read me any of it you know <laughs> uh, but the, I, I think for two reasons it's not as bad as it used to be one being that I made a concerted effort to em- just embarrass people that that would do it. So I, I used to do kind of starter packs where you would uh, screenshot what they've sent you and then screenshot a couple of their tweets and you know say, am I really going to take a lesson in patter from this moron? My favourite oh. ones are when they say I hate you or something then you like to take a screenshot of them following you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that, that happens on a bizarre amount of occasions. I think, again, that comes from people seeing a joke about the team they hate and yeah. thinking this is an anti-Ranger and anti-Celtic account and then you see a joke at their expense and you hate it. And, yeah, I get a fair, deal, a fair amount of that. But I think the other reason as well is probably just because I've blocked or muted a lot of these people. Right. I used to I used to block quite a lot of people when you get this kind of thing, but now I think muting is more effective. I like the idea of people just shouting at nothing. Yeah. So, <laughs> um, so yeah, I, th- I think that's got something to do with it. But weirdly, to be honest, I think the the worst abuse tends to be from Hibs fans. I've done. <laughs> so, I don't know what it is, but I've done something to upset Hibs fans at some point. There's there's plenty that follow me, but there's a there, I, I get like a disproportionate amount of Hibs fans that really seem to hate me. Um, I don't know if it was something to do with I was tweeting loads on twenty uh, first of May two thousand and sixteen, and they thought oh, this guy's brilliant, and then. They saw something against Hibs, and I don't know what it was. I get nothing from Hearts fans. Hearts fans are perfectly civil with me, but Hibs fans for some reason. So you're a Hearts fan, okay? We've well, got to be figured that out. That's it. That's really interesting. You mentioned that because my next question was literally going to be, what is your demographic? What if you could? Do you, do you think you have a certain? If I could ask you to maybe give an average description of your follower, do you think, for example, I'm not I'm not saying do you think you have more Celtic Rangers fans follow you? More quite opposite is. Do you think the people that follow you are Glaswegians who laugh at the Celtic Rangers thing, or do you think the people from outside of Glasgow who like to laugh at the whole Glasgow thing? I, I think I, I've never sat down and properly analysed it, but I think you'd have probably about seventy-five percent would support either Rangers or Celtic, um, and there's a fair few Partick Thistle fans. Although there are some Thistle fans that don't like me as well, and 
the, what I love about the, the Thistle fans that don't like me. That's because you use an awkward comma, though, you know. <laughs> this is it. Someone did pull me up today for not using a capital S for the word Sunday and not using an apostrophe for the word tenants. And the worst thing about that was that as soon as I tweeted, I realised I'd not put a capital S and I was annoyed at myself. But <laughs> anyway, but the, the, the Thistle fans, it's uh, again, the vast majority are completely sound, but... I'll make a joke about Thistle fans being pretentious hipsters or whatever, yeah, yeah. and invariably the, the the ones that get really annoyed by that will tell me in the most condescending, <laughs> pretentious terms. So, it's, well, I personally found that when you were exploring, you know, just call me a wank, you know, that will that will save both of us time. I've expressed my anger through this haiku attached. <laughs> exactly. I, I read your dissertation about why you didn't like me. Let's move on. But the again, most of them are sound, but. I think uh, probably 70, 75% range of Celtic fans, then you get a, a fair sprinkling of Thistle fans, and I'm glad that there's quite a few fans from various teams throughout Scottish football, and a few people who have got no uh, Scot Scottish team that I think just like the, the feel of it or the style of it or whatever, and there's people will tweet me and they'll be from Luxembourg or Australia, and I, and I and I love seeing that kind of you know pe people that I wouldn't necessarily expect to follow me. You know. I'm tempted to ask if you've ever had any temptation, or whether you actually do. I mean, I follow your account and I adore, but have you ever been tempted to almost turn directions towards other teams, or is it like I have to stay on brand? No, I think I think the minute you start doing that, I don't. There's no point really in alienating a bunch of people because the. There are people who have accounts where they make jokes about football, and there's a kind of—I don't want to use the word like cruel—but there's a, a, a almost nasty streak that runs through some of those accounts. And yeah, sometimes it can be cynical, but it, I, it comes from a good place. And I think most of the stuff that people send me comes from a good place. And I don't really want—I don't really want to turn people against each other with it, you know. Um, I don't think any of the the tweets that I put out are overly personal. I don't, I don't think James Forrest is going to sit there counting his 30 grand a week going, that bastard called me four years old. I think he'll live with it. Um, and it's all punching up, you know. So I don't want to start, uh, you know, dividing people and alienating or whatever. I'll, I'll happily speak out against things I don't like, you know, kind of your dash stuff or... Uh, anyone, you know, racism and homophobia and stuff like that. I think it's a good platform to do that kind of thing with, but I don't want to alienate decent people for the sake of it, you know. Have you had any feedback from footballers before? Um, I've had, <laughs> I've had a few. There's a, there's a few that follow me, and there's. You don't have to name any names. Well, there's, I won't name names, but there's, there's one person in the Celtic dressing room. There's one prominent Celtic player who follows me, and one prominent Celtic player who's blocked me. <laughs> <laughs> As for James Forrest, um, <laughs> he's neither of them, but back in the day, like, kind of early days of the account, I was a bit more heavy with the James Forrest material, yeah. and uh, I remember his brother Alan, that I, I don't know where he's actually now, I think, it was Air United at one point, yeah. it might still be, um, he, might still be there, yeah. he was, uh, someone asked him, has, has James seen the old for fact stuff, and he said something like, I've seen it, doesn't find it funny. <laughs> <laughs> That's really interesting because, you know, I, I kind of came from a German football background and one of the things I've definitely noticed from covering Scottish football is that, especially on Twitter, players are definitely watching. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah thanks, so but... many footballers from, you know, all different clubs and stuff, whenever we tweet something out saying so-and-so's 
doing really well. And then you'll see them liking the tweet. I'm like, oh, <laughs> there we go. There. The one, the one that I loved, it was maybe 18 months, two years ago, was um, Dean Brett, who was playing for Cowden Beef at the time. And he'd got... I'll watch my words because I can't remember how this all panned out in real life, but there were allegations about gambling right. or illegal gambling on games or whatever. And I just tweeted a picture of Dean Brett with the caption, Brett365, right? <laughs> and, and he saw it and then he tweeted, oh, fucking love that. And he's, he's I think it, there was like a screenshot of his WhatsApp group where he was now being referred to as Brett365. But I think... Again, I can't remember exactly how it panned out, but I don't think in real life it worked out particularly well for him. So part of me was feeling a little bit bad about that, but I like the fact that he found it funny at least. It's collateral damage, I suppose. I mean, how important is it that we have guys like yourself who are relentless in, you know, ripping the piss out of something that people in this country take so, so, so seriously? I think, for me, it's the fact that people take it so seriously. And I take it seriously when I'm supporting my team, as anyone at Furhill will tell you. But, <laughs> but, but I think any subject, I find, I've, uh, whether it be football or any, or pol politics being another good example, when people take something so seriously, that's, it's right for parody, it's right for taking the piss out of. And, when you see people get really, really earnest and co-faced about things, it's, it's impossible for me to switch the, the side of my brain off that likes to make jokes about that stuff. Obviously, there are limits. There are things you just don't joke about. But uh, people people do take Scottish football seriously, which is good. And I take Scottish football seriously. And I don't think that making jokes about it does the game any harm. I, I really think that there's a... Scottish football's got a selling point in that just the culture around it uh, whether that be in the past fanzines or what people like myself and various others are doing around it and what Off the Ball, for instance, has done for years and all any excuse and whatever, I, I, I think that adds something to it. I don't think it, I don't think it detracts from it. Um, you look at English football and you do get the odd funny story popping up, but you look at that and you think you're bombarded with images and adverts about the EPL and it, you, you watch... Nine times out of ten, you watch Super Sunday and it's crap, it's dull. And you think, well, obviously the standard of football up here isn't always brilliant. But there's always something happening. There's always some some kind of... It's that sort of I think it's that sort of self-deprecating thing that we have as a country. You know, we're able to laugh at ourselves, or most people in Scottish football are able to laugh at themselves. And, yeah, I wouldn't change that. Oh, well, that's my next question. I mean, is it, is it a couple of you kind of... Um kind of cut into a cultural aspect of Scottish football in the sense that we are, even though I did just say in the last question there that we do take it exceptionally seriously, almost, well, definitely to a fault, uh, but there is there is also that side of it. Like you said, you mentioned all the, like, off the ball and all the excuses and stuff, and it's a very Scottish thing where we'd love to rip the piss out of each other. Yeah. I mean, do you think that's, 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 that's where you get most of your... Yeah, I, I think so, and... I always enjoy, my favourite kind of feedback, which I get fairly regularly, is after, let's say, after Rangers have lost, right? So that's fairly frequently. You've used that example a few times now. <laughs> after, after Rangers lose a game, quite often there will be someone who will say to me, um, do you know what, I had a shite afternoon, thanks for making me laugh. And you get that from various clubs, but 
no doubt someone listening to this will denounce whoever says that to me as a hand ringer or whatever. But the I like that kind of thing because they know that tells me that that person knows it's not coming from a place of hatred towards the team. It's I'm looking at things from a completely neutral perspective and going, what is a funny thing to say about what Graham Murphy did today or what Kenny Miller did today? You know, it's, it's not how can I get a jab at Rangers and how can I make Rangers fans feel bad or make Celtic fans feel bad, you know? So in that regard then, is what you do something that would only work in Glasgow? In a sense that, I mean, you couldn't really move down to Newcastle and do a Tyneside facts or something, could you? Or? But, Funnily enough, I think Newcastle's probably one of the places in England that... Bad example, good point. <laughs> London football facts then? Lond London's different. It's For a start, there's, you know, the, it, there's a million accounts making jokes about Arsenal. Oh, well, there's four accounts making jokes about Arsenal and a million stealing those jokes and passing them off as their own. But with it's, it, it's such a... I mean, it takes up all of Twitter whenever people are talking about Arsene Wenger or whatever, that A, it's hard to get your voice heard, and B, there's just too many... There, there's just not necessarily the, the willingness to laugh at yourselves. You get some people that'll, uh, that'll do it within any, within any supporter base in Britain that are probably no doubt the world, but I think because of the bombast and the money involved in English football, some people just can't bear the idea of a joke at the expense of their own team. Uh, whereas I think there is more of a willingness to do that. Not not everyone in Scottish football can do it, and they'll be the ones that'll take a piss out of, but there is more of a... I think it's just in the Scottish psyche to you know, be self-deprecating and take a piss out of yourself. I guess, but I was going to ask you, know, do you think it's important that we do poke fun ourselves? But then I guess... That's what I really want to ask is, do you think we're getting better at that? Or do you, so, for example, you know, we started off talking about the kind of bampos you get on Twitter, and it undoubtedly is full of it. And don't, most people listen to this might not even use Twitter, but it's, this definitely seems to be something on social media as a whole that there's a lot of anger and angst, and people seem to be quite good at ganging up on folk. Um, do you think that represents maybe modern Scottish football fans are harder to? They find it harder to take something as a joke, or do you think it's just amplified? I, I think it's amplified. I think these people have always been there, and I think social media just gives these people a voice. Um, so in the past, they used to share their telly when all the excuse was on. Exactly. Now, now they send you abuse. Exactly. So they, in the past, they only had that half-hour outlet on Hogmanay, and now I've given them the gift of anger 365 days a year. Um, yeah, I, I think I think there's truth in that, but. The weird thing for me in terms of people's angry responses is I think I've been doing it long enough on Twitter that unless you're just finally signing up to Twitter, if you're into Scottish football and you've been using Twitter a while, you've probably made up your mind whether you think I'm an arsehole or you quite like me or you're nonplussed. So if you were going to, if you've had Twitter for a while and you're into Scottish football, if you were going to follow me, you'd probably follow me by now or... If you were going to block me, you'd have blocked me by now. If you were going to send me abuse, you'd have done that as well. Um, but weirdly, on, on Facebook, I, I've got no profile on Facebook. I've got no name there. So when I put out my, my Glasgow Live columns twice a week, Twitter, I'll share it, and a few other people will share it on Twitter. Um, on Facebook, there's no name recognition there. So if you use the term old firm facts on Twitter, of course there'll be a million people saying there is no old firm, but they understand <laughs> that old firm facts is the handle that I use. They literally, under Glasgow Live stories of mine on Facebook, 
people think that the, when they say, uh, for instance, um, I look at Air United's bizarre kit launch with old firm facts, they think that if they click the story, there's going to be a list of facts about the old firm underneath it. <laughs> and there was the same guy for ages, every single column without fail, he would, like, I, I would picture him with his ruddy cheeks, just king of the gammon brigade, just raging at his laptop, going, there's no fucking old bum, you said it, why do you keep saying it, classical life? This guy was every single column. Um, and you still do it, most, quite a lot of the columns, there's just anger underneath it. They're just this, un, this, it's like the term old firm is a red rag, it's a bull firm. But I think, yeah, in terms of the anger, Facebook's much worse for it with me. And people tend to say Twitter's the worst place for it, and it is if you're a woman, or really a, 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 any kind of minority, Twitter is worse for it. Um, but Facebook, people tend to be, I'm trying to watch how I say this, the demographics of Facebook, people are often a bit less savvy about how the internet works. So whether you're a good person or a bad person on Twitter, you've probably got an understanding of in-jokes that you get on the internet. So you think of you know, the worst people on Twitter, you think of like your alt-right type people, they're arseholes, but they know how the internet works and they use like meme culture and all that kind of thing to, to get a name for themselves. Whereas people on Facebook don't quite understand, uh, not not everyone on Facebook, but uh, there's people who only use Facebook and don't use Twitter that will, they're the ones that share these these memes that have been disproved a week beforehand on Twitter. So your dad basically. Your dad basically, yeah, I mean, there are, again, I really have to watch how I say this, there are two people on my Facebook who I can't delete because they are the source of a lot of the your dad material. <laughs> so it's not all plucked from my imagination. I don't find the term your dad inherently amusing. I know it's a bit played out, but it's the it's a it's a shorthand that everyone understands for a certain type of attitude. Basically your your other cheap guy in the question time audience. <laughs> That's really interesting because on Facebook it's where people use their actual names, yeah. while on Twitter, the vast majority of people on Twitter don't, I mean they might have a, an avatar photo of themselves or something, but very rarely their full name, yeah. you know, and their actual identity. Yeah, people on, people on Facebook put their name to the most unbelievable shite, like, they, I mean, whether it be on the left or the right, Guardian or the Daily Mail, looking you feel like if you look on in the comments or the the replies you feel like you need a shower afterwards it's 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 unbelievable and uh so it's, it's just incredibly depressing when you look at some of it and people put their names to it um but again they're sort of shouting at everyone with those things whereas on twitter there's a directness and so like again i'm kind of going off on a tangent but you there was a story recently about uh, with the Stephen Gerrard thing, Hamza Youssef saying something about, uh, he was just kind of winding up Rangers fans. And the term that a newspaper ran with for it was Hamza Youssef trolling Rangers fans. And I thought, whoever's written that headline does not understand what the word trolling is. Whoever's written that headline thinks that just saying anything negative about a football club or anything to get any kind of reaction out of a football fan is trolling, by which logic I must be like the king of the trolls. But trolling is what happens to uh, a black actress who wants to be in Ghostbusters. You know, that's trolling. Trolling isn't taking a piss out of Rangers and Steven Gerrard. I guess I want to kind of move on to like... That was definitely a, a tangent. There. No, no, it, 
interesting if it kind of segues quite well into I wanted to bring up the columns you do for Glasgow Live. Yeah. I mean, I think they're outstanding. I think a lot of people do. And the way you write, almost as a satirical writer, quite literally as a satirical writer, is fantastic. I think um, how, how hard was it to take, like you said, you know, the jokes that you can write for Twitter, how hard is it to then break that and or make, you know, elongate that into a full article? It was quite difficult at first. Um, one of the guys at Glasgow Live described it when he was kind of talking to me about ideas for it, is kind of learning to use a, a different muscle. And I think there's, I think there's truth in that. Like, um, I, I, I'm pleased with everything I've ever submitted to Glasgow Live, but I think, I personally feel like I've improved as I've been doing it. I've been doing it maybe about 20 months or so. Start of, so it was the start of last season, around then I started doing it. And at first it was just kind of collating the jokes that I'd made that week and trying to find a way to make that either reach 600 words or come down to 800 or whatever. Um, and there's never been a shortage of material, but the, the tough part was learning to, because I'm not a writer, I don't have that background. Um, I've dabbled in things here and there, but it's not my profession, I'm not a journalist. Um, so trying to basically take whatever's happened in football and make make it flow with a start, middle and an end, make it coherent, try and be articulate without being poncy about it, and make it, the bottom line is make it funny. And I, it sounds really cheesy, but I take, when I'm writing the columns, I take making it funny seriously. So I don't, I, I've, you know, it's, it's difficult sometimes trying to have a nine to five and get these columns written because I'm, most weeks I'm writing thousands of words on top of the nine to five and the personal life and all that. Um, but I'd, I'll stay up to whatever time I need to stay up till until I'm satisfied with it. I, I think the minute that you start half-arsing it, particularly in an industry where, you know, it's not a secret that there's not that much money in the world of journalism. You don't want to, if you, when you're, you've not got much of a name like myself and you're new to it, you don't want to just hand in any old crap just because you've got a deadline approaching. And the thing about Glasgow Live is they've been, from the minute that I first met them, they've been nothing but incredibly supportive with it. So if I say to them, um, I'm away on holiday, I won't get anything to you for the next 10 days or so, they're, they're fine with it. If I want an amendment made to something, they'll make it for me. They'll always, you know, they've always been really good with me in that respect. Um, but yeah, in terms of in terms of writing, it's always been how can I how can I take this and make a make it have a theme running through it, make it connect, make make it start, middle, and an end. And again, fortunately, Scottish football's never short of storylines. You know, I find that amazing that you can run a nine-to-five job, have a life, but you can also you know, contribute to the mainstream media conspiracy against <laughs> against insert old firm team here. Uh, but no, but no, it's not. It, it sounds like you obviously have a passion for it, but you obviously take it incredibly seriously. And I think a lot of people who I don't mean this in a, in a in a bad way, but I think a lot of people who maybe follow your account quite casually probably don't appreciate that. I think you know, they might think it's just another kind of banter account, maybe. I'm not suggesting your, your jokes aren't, I'm not trying to say your, bar, your jokes no, are that no. bad or anything, but I find it really interesting that you obviously put a huge amount of effort into crafting that skill. Well, the, the, it, it is a sort of 24-7 thing for me, and I wouldn't, like, I, if I was following my account, I wouldn't 
have any interest in old from facts personal life or what he does for a living but most people would if you're submitting columns twice a week they'd be justified in thinking well that's your job but I'm doing it on top of my 9 to 5 not not completely neglecting my partner having a social life and it does bleed into every aspect of my life you know it's trying to find a few minutes away from my desk occasionally to to write a joke or like I say, get out of fire safety routines to tweet about Pedro Cushina. But um, yeah, as I said, I'll, I'll if I have to if I have to be half asleep at work the next morning to have done the best column that I can, I will do. But I try and just write as I go throughout the week. There's no point in leaving it till Thursday night or Sunday night and starting with a blank page. And the same goes for the thing I do on the account. Been doing this season the the weekly patter roundup thing that I do on a Sunday night and I don't just sit there on a Sunday and go right okay what's happened this week it's anytime I see anything that week I'll add it to the an email that I've got in my drafts and then just compile it on a Sunday but yeah it's a kind of seven day thing for me yeah. Would you call yourself a comedy writer? Um, a lot of people would disagree with that but I mean I, I'm not saying I'm good, bad or anything but it's the field that I'm doing it in and I feel probably more of a comedy writer than a football writer because, like, like I say, I would be completely lost trying to write about tactics. And, you know, there are some columns that I write that are serious or they'll use satire to make a serious point. And even using the term satire about yourself makes you cringe. But, you know, that's that's the goal of it. Um, yeah, I, I, I guess it's technically I'm writing and it's supposed to be comedic, so make of that what you will. Okay, so we'll just finish off then. This is a really vague, ambiguous question which won't really do much good for you, but really? you know, what, in your cliche terms, where's the future hold from Front Facts? So can we expect a Netflix special at some point? <laughs> or, a B, or a BBC Scotland sketch show? Or? There's nothing concrete in the future, but there are a lot of things that I've been working on in the background. Um, lots of notes have been made a couple of people have been spoken to and there's nothing concrete it would be ridiculous of me to say anything just now and for all I know tomorrow Glasgow Live might say Adam it's been great but no more columns um, Twitter might close down or they might suspend my account because too many people got upset about the term old firm so for all I know or, or party Thistle could get relegated well, well, this is it, and it's gonna it's gonna be hard for me to get reception at some of those <laughs> those championship grounds, you know. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I, I just take it on a on a daily basis with this kind of thing. It's I don't think there's that many people who are doing what I, the, what I'm doing, so there's not that much of a precedent for it. There's not too many examples I can follow and go. I'll need to stick to the path that they do. I'm just kind of feeling my way through it and trying as I say the bottom line is I just want every day people to find it funny and I take that seriously and I appreciate when I get the good feedback on it and when I get the bad feedback on it I'm, I'm rubbing my hands it's, it's water off the duck's back it wasn't always in the past but it is now I mean I, I would I would undoubtedly say that for me and I think for a lot of our listeners listening who probably will be a lot of people who follow you on Twitter you are Undoubtedly, uh, a necessity within the kind of 
ecosystem scholarship. So I'd, I'd say thank you for that. And Thanks very much. I would say thank you for sitting down with us and talking to no, us No, not at all. Thanks for having me. Thanks for buying me a pint.